This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. Thanks, Disembodied Hot Girl Voice. This is Two Nerds in a Joke with Robert and Ernie. I am Ernie. And I am Robert, as always, myself. Oh, well, good thing you're not somebody else. Or no, this time I'm not. Fortunately, you're not somebody else. There's two ways Ooh, to go. Nice. Yes, yes. Very Maybe nice. To pull from the uh, from the archives here. Actually, a returning visitor. Yes, one of our one of our favorites, and and today is going to be a great day with the good doctor because we're not just going mini bit. We're going full on, full frontal. I mean, and that's kind oh. of the theme of, of the topic we're going to be talking about, which is very full frontal, um, not only in the, the physical, but also in the I hope psychological. We don't get sued for that one. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing wrong with a little full frontal. Um, we're going to dive into today a lot of classic stuff from a show that people both loved, hated, and, mm-hmm. and just got I don't know rolled up was, into. I don't know if it was hatred of the show. And, and the good doctor could correct me on that one, right? Well, yes, and that's a good point too, because it had a lot of controversy around it. A lot but of controversy, yeah. That was definitely for sure. And of course, the 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 real thing here, of course, is that we're talking about is Game of Thrones. And there's so so many shows that you can really go in and get back into and kind of just just watch and just enjoy watching. And Game of Thrones is one of those that you know, even if you just go back to the beginning and watch some of the older stuff and just forget about that last season. Um, it's still so watchable and so entertaining and so interesting. And um, Jason, Do- the doctor, good doctor today, has a, a character that we want to start off with, but then we're going to go from there and kind of go into the deeper realms of the of the um, the seasons as a whole and, and a lot of the other characters as well. So, Doctor, who is the character that you want to start with today? The character that I would like to start with today is Egret. Egret, um, if you're if you're uh, maybe south of the wall, you might call her a wildling. If you're Jon Snow or if you're north of the wall, then you would probably call her free folk. But uh, I want to talk about Egret and how important she was to Jon. And then and then because she was so important to Jon, she's now important to the to the entire story and to the uh, entire um, in a lot of ways society and like then the way their society started to form um, once John came into more power. So uh, I guess I'll just start diving in and also just as a little side note, I'm really happy to be here metaphorically doing uh, uh, the, the frontal, but uh, <laughs> there's, not any, there's not going to be any, uh, any literal uh, full frontal today. Yes. Um, <laughs> sorry to disappoint any of the uh, the listeners. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, so Egret. So why why is she so important? Well, because John really, um, I I almost want to say the word seduced. Like in a sense, like he was really brought into free folk society and. They really won him over with their ideology, um, with their uh, egalitarian society, with um, you know, um, uh, the, with really their their lack of a hierarchy. Uh, their society is much more, um, I, guess, I guess you could just say, democratic in many ways. And then, and most of 
the reason why John was so taken by their ideology is because uh, he fell in love with Egret. Um, and then John took that 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 framework into uh, into the the realm, and then that had um, hopefully more of a lasting impact going into the future, but we don't really know. Um, but so starting with Egret, the character, and why I um, I love her so much, and so many of the the readers love her so much. Um, is because she is a very uh, independent thinker. She's um, um, she is very assertive. Uh, she's very she's a pioneer in in many ways. Um, so it, and to to sprinkle in some psychology, uh, when we say the word assertive, what we mean is um, she takes. Um, uh, she takes other people's rights and needs into consideration and her rights and needs equally. Uh, so a lot of people in in the Game of Thrones universe, if they're a highborn, if they're um, if they're uh, if they have power, they're going to they're going to use their power to oppress others. Um, they're going to make people bend the knee. They're going to. Um, you know, force someone to marry them, even if that person doesn't want to, that way they can have more power. Or if, if they don't have power there. Oh, and so, so if you're asserting your power over other people, uh, that's, that's aggression. Aggression is when you're putting your rights and needs above somebody else's. And then, and then that's what people do in the game of Thrones when they have power. And then when someone doesn't have power, they behave passively. That's when you put other people's rights and needs above your own. Um, so in Game of Thrones, you bend the knee, you do whatever it takes, and then you live one more day. Um, so most people are behaving passively in that way. But Egret and the free folk, um, I believe it was Egret who said this, um, um, you have the right to leave to Jon Snow. Like once they released him as as their prisoner and kind of let him into their society and gave him back his sword, they said, "Well, you have the right to leave. You know, you can do whatever you want, but then we'll have the right to kill you." And that's as as harsh as that sounds. That's a much more um, equal society to live in, where they're going to respect your boundaries. You're going to respect theirs uh, for the most part. I mean, they're they're free folks, so they will like hunt and kill and stuff like that but compared to the rest of the game of thrones universe where the power the powerful just take advantage of the weak and the weak bend the knee and uh, pay tribute and do all those kinds of things the free folk have a much more equal society uh, in that sense so egret was very assertive uh, and then let me pause for a second uh, right now does does anybody have any comments or any thoughts about just that part so far well, I have a couple a couple comments about that whole society that I guess the the setup was that when we first saw season one going to season two, there was clearly like a like a confrontation between the two two worlds. You had the 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 people that lived on the other side of the wall, like you said, they basically uh, didn't have a hierarchy. They didn't they didn't have a king, so to speak. They just had you know leaders that they basically yeah. said, all right, you're going to be the leader because you're good at doing this. Whereas these other people on the other side of the wall, it was basically, you know what, your father's a king that makes you a king, you know, regardless of yeah. how good you are, right? So those those were the two frame of thoughts. And I guess John growing up was always thought of 
that these people were just savages, right? Mm-hmm. And um, I don't know. I, I I tend to think that maybe Egret had like a was trying to seduce John from like the outset. I think she had a thing for him. I don't know. Maybe it was some sort of magnetism drawn to him. But she had ample opportunity to like kill him off so many times because she's so skilled with the bow, right? Right. So I think there was like some other thing maybe she was hoping like maybe she could like turn him or something like change him like like go figure right um but as far as the societies go i don't think that that society would have ever fully embraced john anyways mm-hmm. that's just yeah. my thought behind it right yeah and it's hard to say so those are some really good points um let's see so starting with the the um the john seduction um yeah, I think she was. I think you do fairly quickly see an attraction um, on both sides. Mm-hmm. Uh, and part, uh, and I don't think they go into this too much in the show, but in the books, they they really clearly say that part of the free folk, um, I guess you could call it courtship process, is the guy kind of uh, goes into wherever the 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 girl is and then it's essentially uh kidnaps her you know like he he captures her and then um and then if she can't fight him off if her mate can't fight him off um then that she's now his mate and then the catch is at any time she could kill him in her in his sleep. So he does have to treat her well. Uh, so that's not not all of that process passes the whole egalitarian society standard. But, right. Right. But, but there is that like there's still that equality there where he knows, OK, even though I captured you, you could just kill me in my sleep. So I better not uh, treat you too badly. I better, you know, now that I have you, I better treat you well. Uh, so when John meets her, he essentially captures her. That's that's not what he was intending to do, but he accidentally started the courtship process with her. And then she even says, like, Yo, kill me, kill me now and uh, and burn my body afterward or else I'm going to come back and I'm going to get you. Because um, she would turn into one of those uh, those whites, those what? zombies. Yeah. yeah. Um, Which is the, the constant fear that's, that's kind of overshadowing the whole thing, too, right? I mean, that's kind of an interesting point to, to constantly kind of live in that fear. Right. Of being right. transformed. So it's like, it's, you better do it now or get it over. Because she makes actually the first kind of um, move on him. You know, when, when they when that scene where they where they, they had to sleep out in the cold where John didn't want to make the fire because he didn't want to attract attention. Yeah. And, they, you know, and she makes some, some advances and then he he rebuffs her. So oh, yeah. she kind of starts making fun of him and says, you know, you're not really a man and all that. So I, I, it's curious that you add that piece in about the courtship. I wonder if that's kind of part of the process is like, look, this is how the courtship supposed to work. What you doing, you fool. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And I also think like because you know, I watched a couple clips on YouTube this morning and I also think um, so that's part of it. But then also. As you watch her tease him and and you know all that stuff, it's not it's not really um, aggressive. It's not like it's not like Cersei just emasculating somebody um, in front of the whole crowd. It's not like that. It's much more playful. It's much more flirty. And the whole time, John 
also like he's into it. He's trying to not be into it. He's trying so hard, but but he does like her. And then you can see this. <laughs> and then you can see their, their slow process of you know going from enemies to now becoming like more and more of an actual uh, partnership. Yeah. Right, and that's the, that's the fun part. Well, right. I also, well, also from that, right? Um, you you have uh, John's very loyal to the uh, to the trains of the Night Watch, right? That's the whole reason why he can't do anything with her. And right. then yeah, and then of course, you know, there she is. She's like, you don't understand. We're not your enemy. It's these other things that are the real enemy here. But you guys are too uh, too hell bent on like putting us under your control. Mm-hmm. Rather than addressing the real threat out here, which are these White Walkers, which of course comes back to the yeah, they're people, they're they're myth, they're legend, they're not real. So it goes back to kind of a sense of yeah, but I don't really believe you. <laughs> <laughs> right, and, and that's a really great point. And let me talk about John for just a second, because part of what made John such a great character and such a great soldier and, and all that stuff um, is that he was always open to learning he was even when people were talking down to him and they were his enemy he would still kind of pause and listen and take it in and then learn from it what he could uh, so there's a really great example then i guess this also involves egret um when johnny yep. at castle black and um and egret and all the wildlings hundred thousand wildlings are sieging castle black he's he's up on the the wall and he's uh, with um, Alistair Thorne, if I'm remembering his name correctly. And 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 um, John's still like the second in command at that time. And mm-hmm. Thorne is talking to him and saying, like, do you know what it – I could be getting the quote slightly wrong, but do you know what it means to be a leader? Um, a leader is when um, – you have to make the the right decision. You have to decide no matter what. And all these little piss ants and all these little, you know, all your enemies, they're going to criticize you no matter what. But you have to make those decisions and you have to save the lives of all those piss ants and stuff like that. And John could have said to Thorne, like, I was right and you were wrong. And, you know, uh, so what, why should I even listen to you? But instead, John takes it in he listens and we can assume that that's part of john's um you know that makes him stronger moving forward so then when he's with egret um up north then and she's telling him those things like um you know we we were here too we're people too you just put up a wall even though she's the enemy uh, at that point he's still taking it in and he's still learning and he's still distinguishing between you know what is a trick what what are you trying to do just to to run away and then what do you what is real and what are you telling me that is actually truth that could just help me help you and help help society and, and all that kind of thing yeah and it, it's a really interesting point because the whole experience changes john and you know, towards the end of, of the whole thing, the whole seasons, um, he kind of says, I don't want this. I don't want to be the, the leader. I don't want to be in charge. And it kind of comes back full circle where in those situations with her, he didn't want to have to make decisions where he would hurt people. 
and he didn't want to be the 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 cause because I, I think he fail felt throughout the rest of that series that he was he was the cause of her having been killed, you know, mm. and yeah. and the, the the whole thing came back to and a lot of John's overarching story came back to a line that she actually said that she started with and you know nothing, John Snow. Mm-hmm. And he just kind of keeps going that in in all of it to the part where if he really pushed in the end to become the leader, you know, he had so many chances there to be the leader and we wouldn't have gotten the ending we would we got that everybody was so disappointed. He would have been probably the best one because he truly knew the difference between he was the everyman, you know, in that respect. And his interactions were 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 just that, that no matter what mistakes, even when he you know, with Daenerys and, and, and made those horrible, horrible mistakes he made with her. It, 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 at the end, he was like, yeah, but but I still am going to turn around. And now that I know the truth, I'm going to do the right thing. Right, right. Yeah. Yeah, though, uh, his time with Egret and with the rest of the, the free folk and the wildlings was really, really formative. Uh, when he went into the Night's Watch, he had, you know, certain expectations he thought that everybody in the Night's Watch was going to be, um, you know, noble and just, um, yeah, like purely, purely good and upholding these vows. And then, um, and he thought that the wildlings were were savages who um, just raided innocent villagers south of the wall and and who need to be needed to be stopped and all that. And um, and then. With his time with Egret and the other free folk, he found out that he was actually being really naive. And at that time, he he you know he knew nothing, and he started to look at things much more in a nuanced way. And um, yeah, and starting starting to to make or at least attempt to make more nuanced decisions. And then at the end, um, even though. Um, the show didn't quite stick to landing. He does um, see like, okay, even though I have this vow to protect Daenerys, uh, maybe I'm being kind of naive if I think she's going to suddenly become this great ruler. And then maybe I need to do something that goes completely against my vows in order to meet some kind of more aspirational value of just doing what's right in the world and making sure that there's like, less harm done to innocent people by me doing this like really bad thing that goes against my vows and values and all that stuff. Well, did you find it interesting that he was so willing to like side with the wildlings and attack, you know, go on that march to attack his own, like his own group? Sure. Sure. Yeah. There's a, uh, there's, there's a really key moment before um, he gets like really um, sucked into the wild wildling uh, way of life. Um, there was his sort of mentor, his captain. Um, um, I believe his name was Corin Halfhand. Yeah, uh, Corin. yeah. Be right before they got, um, or they were already captured, and then right before Corin Halfhand kind of forces John to to kill him, he says something like. Um, um, don't just give up, 
don't gladly give your life. You know, you need to fight and spit and curse and do everything you can to survive and to beat the enemy. And then, and then he says something like, um, you know, uh, you better kill me, you know, something like that. So Corin Halfhand kind of fakes like like John is already a traitor and accuses him of being a traitor and attacks him. And then John defeats him in battle. Um, and that's setting it up so that John is sort of like going deep undercover. So like so that whole time John is pretending to be a wildling, but really he's in his mind he's sticking to his vows. But he's also getting seduced and he's learning a lot and he's like and he's taking in a lot of the the positive lessons that he's learning from the free folk. And then when he when he's going on those marches and and they're essentially trying to raid villages, John actually never kills um, any innocent people. He's just like around. And then when it comes time to him for him to actually kill someone innocent, then that's when the whole um, undercover thing just falls apart. And then that's when um, um, everything goes to hell and he has to separate from Egret and from uh, and from the rest of the, the wildlings. And that it's it's such a crucial moment too when he realizes and and that scene where she shoots him at, when he's leaving spoiler alert I know if you lived under a bridge but <laughs> <laughs> just in case um but you when you mean she shoots him and you can see it that if she if he was able to if she was able to understand where he was coming from a little bit better and he was able to understand what it truly meant to be a free folk I think he never really learned that lesson it, it would be interesting to kind of see what would have happened. If if he had been able to stay with her a bit longer or convince her that killing the innocents wasn't needed, you know, and I think that's a big part of it is is determining because he does that again and again. Right. He, he makes these decisions of these people deserve to die versus these people who don't because they're innocent or whatever his idea of innocence is, you know, and he does that a lot. And I think that's a good uh, skill to have. And it's a good ability to have. But how does that. Do you feel like she, if she had like lived, right? If she had like lived past that again, spoiler alert. Do you feel that he would have still had to be able to do that? Like if she hadn't been killed in that scene and she was able to go back to him because all he wanted, all he wanted was to just get away. Do you feel he would mm-hmm. still have been able to make those decisions of choosing to not kill the innocent, to keep it to that point? Do you think he could have convinced her of that? And do you think that their relationship could have lasted longer if she had lived past that moment? Oof, man, that is such a such a great question that is so hard to answer because uh, even though their bond was a like, really strong, it had only been a short amount of time. Uh, yeah, this, yeah, and they don't really tell you how much time is passing. Uh, it could have been, um, it could have been a month. It could have been as little as just a couple weeks. Or it could have been maybe three or four months because they could have just been a long time marching, uh, marching with the snow and stuff like that. Um, so, but it didn't seem like the relationship because when she mentioned that you were when he, she was when she was dying, you know, you remember yeah. the 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 place where he made love and blah blah. It made it seem mm-hmm. to me that they didn't have a lot of physical relations. Mm-hmm. So it was either a really short time or they're just really apart for a really long time. So either mm-hmm. way. The relationship time was exceedingly strong, uh, short, but extremely yeah. strong. Yeah, exactly. And uh, there's some really big 
um, uh, pressures or forces to keep them apart. So pretty much all of free folk society is going to say John is a crow and mm-hmm. you can't trust him and all that stuff. And then the the knights of the the watch, they're and and just everybody south of the wall, they're gonna say she's wildling scum, and you're Ned Stark's son, and what are you doing? And you're a brother of the Night's Watch, so so there's lots and lots of factors that would say it wouldn't work out, right? But then they are both kind of contrarian, so then maybe that would just push them more together. So, yeah, that's something really interesting to think about. I'm not sure. You know, yeah, yeah. the way I kind of look at it is kind of like, I don't know, maybe John was kind of clueless. I don't know how he could be clueless on the, you know, that this chick really loved him because, mm-hmm. like, all she did was talk about this dude. <laughs> you know, and I well, guess to be she, fair. she chewed everyone's ear off about it as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, but you know how guys are. Come on. <laughs> Let's go back to, to basic manhood here. Sometimes you're like, you no clue, and you're blind to it completely. It's it's gonna happen. Yeah, I mean, all she, you know, all all she didn't do was like sit there and like twirl her hair in her fingers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, it was so obvious, and like even leave even leading up to the end, and I knew that she could she wasn't gonna. I don't know if you got this mm-hmm. also. If any of you two, I got this. I knew she wasn't gonna last long. Mm-hmm. You know right. what I mean? I, I kind of saw the hat being tipped and all the time she was bailing out John. I'm like, John's going to get this chick killed. Right. You know, she's covering for him. She's trying to convince all these dudes. All these other dudes know what he is, right? Mm-hmm. They know that he's not into this. And they're still making him, like, take, take uh, you know, make this assault on the wall. He's, like, you know, tipping off, you know, that they're going to attack this. What was it? Uh, the the old person, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, yeah. He like tipped him off, right? He, he Oh yeah. Um, he totally set it up, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah, and then of course, you know, Egret has to come in. So in my point, Egret was probably she 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 was pretty deep. I say she was a pretty deep character. Mm-hmm. With uh I think she was a big part of like the overall like you guys said, the overall story of him like him changing. But yeah. it's like he was he was so resistant and reluctant to change. Even like after the after the battle, when I forgot who it was was talking to him, he like refused to acknowledge her. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's kind of an interesting homage because at the end of it, at the end of it all, you know, John kind of makes full circle with this and ends up going back to the night. Yeah, yeah. And he goes back and he actually then goes to the free folk and he settles in the free lands, you know. And it's kind of a, a full circle of an homage to her. So I don't think because you look at John's relationships. I mean, really look at John's relationships. The boy doesn't have any luck. I mean, he has to basically <laughs> all his all his uh, girlfriends get killed or he... luck. I mean, this chick was practically throwing herself at him, <laughs> and she gets killed in front of him. I'm just saying he may have luck in love, but they all end up dead. Okay, <laughs> so take that, or he has to kill them himself. Let's not fool ourselves, you know. John's the Black Widow. He is. <laughs> 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 I'm trying to think if there's any other like uh, movie or story that that's in another genre that's kind of similar to like this this part of it. I'm not talking about like the other part of it, but like this part of it. It's not hard one to come across where where the guy because it's kind of and that's kind of the fun of the John story uh, of the John Snow storyline compared to everybody else 
and 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 where she fits into it is it kind of shows that he's unlucky in love in so many different respects, but you don't really see that where the guy is unlucky in love to so much that he falls in love with the girls, but something really bad ends up happening to them, and it's always his fault. I mean, that's a horrible story. It's definitely not something that you want to see a hero do, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think in storytelling, that's usually the start of the story. Like, at the start, yeah. John Wick's wife is already dead, and then now he is um, he is called to action to not really avenge her, but, uh, you know, avenge something else. And so I think a lot of times the hero's wife d- dies really early on, and then the story starts. But John's story, like, it starts, he falls in love, and then his his wife or his his partner dies and then it happens again so like yeah, yeah so that yeah. that is uh, much different yeah, yeah. I think along the lines of uh of a john wick or even um clint eastwood's character in the unforgiven you know mm-hmm. where he will in in that story you have uh actually in both when you think about it they're both like unforgivable unredeemable people right unredeemable souls because They've done all this wicked in their life, and then they come across, you know, the love of their life that ultimately mm-hmm. changes, and then they're taken away from them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the mm-hmm. only other person in the story who's very similar to her, to Egret, in, in, in kind of the the attitude and how they do, is our favorite little assassin. <laughs> right, Arya. Arya. Mm. Um, she's the only one similar to her without the with, – with that, 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 as you put it um, – that sense of self, that sense of taking the initiative. Uh, and she goes through one of the largest and longest story arcs, I think, of everybody. I think it's mm-hmm. kind of almost ignored how much she affects all these stories until you get the, the, the whirlwind reunion tour, if you will, at the end, where she literally meets back up with everybody and has something to say to all of them, you know, and, and, and finishes her list. But I think out of all the arcs, she's like the one female in this whole thing that's a similar kind of and she would have been perfect in 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 that society in in the free folk i mean i think she would have fit in beautifully with them you know become really a a a true leader of those people if she wanted it and i think that she was the only one of the few women in that story overall that actually had like a good ending and just kind of avoided the whole war completely (laughs) you know it's kind of an interesting thing that if if egret had had that chance and really had that chance to kind of avoid the war because they talk about that. You know, she talks about a lot where it's like, I don't want to go back to the war. I want to stay here in this grotto. I don't want to go back out there to the real world. And if they had had that chance to do that, I think they would have had a story like Arya where they were able to witness assist from the background, but not be front line and, and get themselves a bad ending. I mean, because John got a mostly bad ending. Egret definitely got a bad ending, you know. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing to kind of see the parallels between the two characters. Yeah, that is so interesting to think about. And I had never compared Arya to Egret before. But now that you've mentioned that, um, uh, they are similar uh, as far as personality and how they handle problems. If there's a problem, they just kill someone. It's um, <laughs> <laughs> so, a good way of doing it, you know. Yeah. And uh, another thing is, John, out of his whole family, John had a, a really close bond with Arya. And so it makes sense why, you know, he could get along with someone and really bond with Arya and then also end up with somebody like Egret. And John is 
the one person in the family who understood Arya and was accepting of her. Uh, everybody else told her, uh, you know, she was, uh, you know, they didn't use these words, but she was a rascal. Mm-hmm. She needed, she needed to put down the bow and arrow, stop, stop showing up her brothers with the bow and arrow, and learn how to sew and learn how to make dresses and all that stuff. And she's not going to be a knight. She's going to be a lady and run a household and all that stuff. And John saw her for who she was, and and in their parting moment, he's the one who gave her needle because he knew mm-hmm. this is who you are. You know, you you uh, you want a sword. You want to be a fighter. So he gave her needle and he gave her one quick lesson: um, stick him with the pointy end. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then that went on to sort of. Um, be a defining moment for Arya, and she had this sort of this transitional object. You know, that's what we call it in psychology, where you have one part of your former life, you know, middle, and then having that gives you that that safety, you know, literally because it's a sword and she needs to stay safe. But also, she has her brother with her. She's a Stark because she has Needle. So she has that old life with her as long as she has Needle. And she was, and when the time came to throw it away and to be, become no one, she wasn't able to and she hid it. And you know she wasn't going to throw away John's gift. And then when the time came, she picked it up again and she was, she was a Stark again. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even, even though when she was a Stark again, right, and, and, and she was in all ways, of yeah. course. But I think in her own mind, I mean, that's kind of why at the end she's like, you know what? I'm heading out. I'm, I'm going elsewhere. I, I, I am a Stark, and that's great and whatever. But I know what happened to my family. I was there when my new father was killed. Right. I know what that means. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think as much safety as she felt, and you're right, she had safety and she had those, those, those tokens of her past life. She also remembered what that past life would lead to. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if some of the psychology of that is that as brave as she was, she was always kind of running from that past. Right. Because as safe as it was, it was still a source of fear for her. So it's kind of this double edge, if you will, to be literal sword where it was both this comfort to the safety of her brother and her the love mm-hmm. they had and, and the kinship and, you know, he wanting her to be safe and giving her the ability to protect herself rather than protecting her, you know, a lot of what he did for, for his other girls, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and I think he did that a lot. He believed that you, that they had, you know, Egret was the same way. It's like, he knew that she could protect herself. He didn't need to protect her. Mm-hmm. I mean, even with, uh, with his, you know, the last girl he was with, you know, Daenerys, the same thing. You don't need to protect yourself, but I'm here to help. And it was right. their interaction with that belief of his wanting them to be able and knowing that they could protect themselves that ended up defining their relationship. And I think that goes all the way through the women that he, he was in relationships with. And I think eager was kind of the most clean version of that, where it was, I know you can protect yourself and I'm not going to worry about you in that sense. I know I just care about you. And it was just, it made it all the harder to see her pass into it. But I think the spirit of what she had, the free folk came about. And I think that was kind of where John was like, I need to keep this alive where I make the women in my life strong because mm-hmm. I can see what that strength can do for them, you know, build them up mm-hmm. instead of tearing them down, which you saw everywhere. I mean, yeah. you know, I, 
there's two types of women. There were either the women that were made strong by the men around them and they went off and did their cool thing. Or there were women that were beaten down to such a point that they either turned cruel or completely submissive and useless. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. what do you think about the way that she ended up dying? You know, because she had John dead to rights. Mm. So what do you think psychologically, like, that whole point of making her character, her the story of her character end in, in that way? What do you think about that? Ooh, yeah. Well, well, just as a viewer watching a story, I, I loved it. Um, they got to have uh, essentially like their, their final moment together. And it was a question. There was always that question of, is Egret really going to kill John? Because I think with John, you knew, well, if, if he can, he's going to try to not fight. He's going to try to just capture her. Um, he's going to, you know, he's going to try to spare her life as much as possible and, and not kill her unless he like absolutely had to, even then he may, he might not kill her. But with Egret, you always kind of wonder like, is she, she going to kill him? Um, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when they had that final moment together and then John just smiles and is happy to see her. And that sort of softens her really just for like a second or so. Like it's really not for that long, but she has that split second decision where she decides to not kill him. Um, and then of course, Ollie, who's, you know, if everybody, everybody loves Ollie, Ollie kills her. Um, um, but, um, but, uh, yeah. but um, yeah, as a story, I thought it was, it was amazing. And they got to basically reconcile. She chose not to kill him. He got to tell her, that he loves her. I can't remember if he said it, but he smiled at her when she's about to kill him. So I think that says, I love you. Um, Yeah. Yeah, you know, you're staring down the business end of a bow and arrow. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) But I love you. (laughs) But um, I think psychologically, that's going to be very traumatic for John. Um, You know, he, he had this, this moment, he they basically reconciled for like one second. So for one second, somewhere in his mind, he's probably thinking, "Oh, we're good now. Oh my God, I can make this all work. I can, we can figure this out. We can, we can love each other." You know, so it, it, a lot of thoughts can go through your mind in one second, and um, and then it was all just boom, just taken away. Um, so that's going to be very traumatic, and um, yeah, just yeah, I, I would imagine that if, if impacts John uh, tremendously moving forward. Um, he would probably be very hesitant, and then and then maybe this actually did play out, but he would probably be very hesitant to start a new relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, if he did start a new relationship, he would probably. Um, try to close himself off and and not be too invested in it because women that he loves dies or die and um, and then maybe maybe we do see that moving forward um, the the Daenerys and John love story for me wasn't nearly as good as the John and Egret love story <laughs> that's that's my opinion so I'm not really sure if he's kind of holding off out of fear. Uh, maybe he was, but but that's I can imagine that happening after a trauma. Okay, all right. So, yeah, yeah, I agree with you on that, yeah. There's an interesting other side to that story, too, of Egret, too, to go back to, to, go back to her for a second. 
Because one of the things that happens, as we all know, is how she was killed, right? Mm-hmm. And she was killed in the back. She was shot in the back by a, a well, kind of un... Well, it looked like Ollie was trying to help out John. I mean, his, yeah. his buddy. Yeah. You know what I mean? Do you Yeah. Because he, he's looking at it from a distance. He's like, oh, shoot, there's John. He's, you know, he's going to get shot. But there's yeah. another side to that story, too, because I don't know if you remember this, but they Ollie was actually attacked, or his village was attacked, mm-hmm. by a group of wildlings. Yeah. And it, it, it's a small thing, but I just remembered it, that his father is actually killed by Egret. Mm, right. Really? This I don't is, remember that. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah, because, it, it, if you remember, again, he, he then hides. He flees, and then his mother is killed by, uh, what was his name, Styre, whatever, S-T, however you say it. Um, yeah. And then he then Styre holds the blade to his throat, and, you know, he's going to eat his dead parents, and then he del- tells Ollie to go tell the Night's Watch that they're coming. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. And that's when he goes and joins the Night's Watch. So in another respect, you know, Egret kind of made her own bed, not unbeknownst to her. But it's, you know, it's it's pure revenge for the death of his father. Mm-hmm. So it's kind yeah. of an interesting little side piece to that, that, yeah, she doesn't kill John, which is a good move. And, yeah, Ollie is working for John. He is his uh, steward or whatever it was. But it's so much – there's another layer to it of the story of Ollie and Egret that you don't really think about, that he's just getting revenge for the death of his parents from the wildlings. And he doesn't right. care about their love. He cares about his revenge in some respect. You know, get, getting back the power in his life. Control over, over his destiny and the world around him. And the only way he can do that is by killing her. Yeah. Just something I was thinking about because I was remembering Ollie and how much of a weasel he seemed. But yeah. <laughs> he was, but there was, a, there was a value to him, you know? Well, of course. He's a little kid and his... His, I don't know if his mom was even still alive at that time, but his dad was killed uh, by Egret, his boss's girlfriend, and mm-hmm. then uh, and then John goes on n- not that much longer after, shortly after John goes on to basically be best friends with Tormund, who is who's also played a part in killing Ollie's um, Ollie's family and the whole village, um, and that's. That's Game of Thrones, uh, and that's one of the things that that John that John has to navigate. Your enemy today, the guy who tried to kill you, and you tried to kill him. Tomorrow, you have a bigger enemy, and uh, you need to come together, make whatever peace you can, or don't make peace, and just move forward together as as much as you can. And that's uh, yeah, that's that's one of the hard lessons that john was learning i think he was right in doing that you know like we all need to be in this together to fight the the others the white walkers and um if we if we do that maybe we have a chance of surviving if we don't we don't have any chance but unfortunately where john failed is getting other people to to understand that and to be mm-hmm. on board and to 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 want to work together uh, then uh, then he was he was undone by that, but then he he did have a, a second chance after that. Well, yeah, I mean, he literally had a second chance after he was killed by, yeah. by the way, if you remember, going full circle again, by Ollie, because Ollie Ollie. was the one who stabbed him. Mm-hmm. And, and, and Ollie ended up getting killed, and it's kind of a weird little interlacing there of this character that both touched 
the lives of both Egress and John and literally kind of killed a lot of that. They all died. I mean, Dolly mm-hmm. was instrumental to the whole, both of them dying, basically. Mm-hmm. I mean, thankfully, John was able to be resurrected, quote unquote, magically. But which is another interesting side point, because if I remember correctly, and I know I think you, Jason, had read the books a lot more than we than we have. But magic was a lot more preve- uh, prevalent in the books than it was in the series. Like it was kind of hinted at in the movie in the shows, but it wasn't really kind of a big deal. The biggest again, the biggest piece you saw of that was John's resurrection. Yeah, but it was a bigger deal in the books, though. Right. There was a lot more magic there. Yeah, it's been a little while since I read them, but I believe so. And part of part of the reason why it's not on the show is just because it would be too expensive to have all that magic, and the the dragons sucked up a lot of money with the CGI and stuff. <laughs> yeah, fair, fair enough, fair enough. You gotta remember, I guess too, that it is a show, not a movie, and there is a different yeah. level of budget. Right. And there were so many people. I mean, look at all those extras for the soldier scenes and stuff. You know, they're right. trying to build a war. You know, it's either war or magic. You got your choice. <laughs> yeah, that I want to I want to jump back to Egret real quick because there's mm. something that um, that I want to point out as far as uh, you know a psychological uh, phenomenon. So um, Egret taught John another really important lesson um, about the difference between acceptance and complacency. Uh, so Egret, she was a pioneer. She knew who she was. She knew she was free folk. She she accepted her reality, but she wasn't complacent about it. So she knew that, you know, there was fancy lords in stone castles who had organized armies and were much, um, much wealthier, much more powerful, all that stuff. Um, but that didn't mean that she was going to stay on the other side of the wall and be eaten up by white walkers or, or something like that. Um, and there's this really cool moment that uh, stuck with me when uh, John is still deep undercover and uh, John and Egret and the other free folk are getting ready to climb the, uh, the, white, uh, the wall. And I think the wall's supposed to be like 700 feet high or something like that. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then John says something like, um, um, aren't you afraid? Aren't you afraid of falling or something like that? And then she says uh, something like, uh, like I, like I'm, I'm afraid of, of falling. Of course I'm afraid, but I've been waiting for this moment my entire life and, and I'm going to do it. And then she climbs the wall and they almost die. They're, they're, they're cut off. Their their rope is cut because oh because the know, dude cuts their cuts their rope right because yeah. he can't hold them right 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 exactly and it's not necess- it's not his fault there was some kind of freak accident and then now John and Egret are dangling there and they're gonna kill everybody else so mm-hmm. he has to cut them loose and when he does that and then thankfully John and Egret are still able to survive somehow and then um, so they almost die and then they climb the wall and they look up on over the horizon and she sees what's south of the wall and it's beautiful and she's kind of um, overtaken by it. And even though they almost died, even though it was really scary, they're able, you know, she accepted all of that, all of that risk. And then she's able to just like live in the moment right there and then just see the beauty of, of that moment. Um, and then there's another situation that I'll comment on real quick where John and Egret are, you know, they're on their way to Castle Black, 
and um, they're, re- they're getting ready to do the siege and to fight and all that stuff. And then John's trying to convince her, like, hey, you know what? Maybe think twice about this. Um, uh, the wildlings have tried to attack Castle Black six times in the past hundred years, and six times they failed. And this seventh time will be no different. You're going to die. You don't have the discipline. You don't have the equipment. You don't have all that stuff. And then, uh, and then, they, and then John and Egret have this really great moment where uh, I think Egret just like grabs John and then pulls him towards her and like kisses him or something. And then she says, "You uh, something like uh, uh, you're mine and I'm yours. And yes, we'll probably die, but first we'll live." And so, so John, so John got to learn these really powerful lessons about acceptance and just knowing and understanding reality, but not being complacent. So still doing your best, um, still fighting for whatever you believe in, still living your values, still kind of uh, blazing a new trail, that kind of thing. And then I think we see that moving forward with the Battle of the Bastards and, and John as King of the North and stuff like that. Like he knows, he knows that there's risk, he knows that there's danger, and he's probably going to die, but he accepts it. And you can say maybe he accepts it too much and, you know, he knows nothing and he should have been smarter about things. But, you know, he, he accepts reality and he, he does his best to do whatever he can do in the amount of time that he has, which I think is like a really um, great characteristic of Egret and Jon Snow. And I don't think there's any better way to wrap that up than that, because that is <laughs> so much the truth. <laughs> yeah, but that was I, that was a, that was heavy. Yeah, that is that is fantastic. I got a lot. I love that line. It's such a great line is if we die, we die. But first we live, you know, and that's such a great thing that you can see throughout that show. And hey, you know, I, I always say that no matter how a show is. And how the show ends, it's all about those moments that make the show worth rewatching. Mm-hmm. And that's and that's really the, the big part to me. And it's such a powerful story. Um, so, Ernie, I know it's not as quotable as, you know, if we die, we die, but first we live. But you have one, if you will give it to us just one more time. Peace out. Peace out, everybody. We'll talk to you guys next time. <laughs> And that's another episode of Two Nerds and a Joke. Follow Robert and Ernie on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and subscribe to their YouTube channel.